Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones and we are so glad that you're here with us today. Today we are starting a brand new series called Follow. Now, by a raise of hands, how many of you ever played the childhood game Simon Says? Come on. Yep, a lot of us played that game. Yep. And it was great. You know, there was one person who'd say Simon Says and we'd have to follow the instructions and everything. Uh, But often we feel like the Christian life is sometimes a big game of Simon Says. But instead of saying Simon Says, sometimes we think it's about Jesus Says. So Jesus tells us to pray and we're supposed to pray, or Jesus tells us to give and we're supposed to give, or Jesus tells us to go to church and we're supposed to go to church. And it feels like it's just a bunch of rules. And is that what we're supposed to be really doing in following Jesus? Well, to help us out with the message today, we are actually having a guest speaker today. His name is Andy Stanley. He is the pastor of North Point Community Church, and he's going to be speaking to us. And some of you are starting to go like, really, he's here? Actually, he's not here, Um, but we are going to be watching him on video. For the next four weeks, we're going to be doing a video series uh, based upon one of the message series that they did at his church this past year. Now, if you don't know who Andy Stanley is, let me tell you a little bit about him. Sarah and I, prior to coming down to help Epic start with Trent, uh, attended North Point Community Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. And Andy Stanley, uh, their church is is comprised of seven campuses with 33,000 people who attend their Sunday services. And so Andy is the real deal. Um, he is a great man of God. Uh, he is a great husband. He is a great father. Uh, he's probably the most influential pastor um, in my life in terms of just who he is, what he stands for, his communication abilities, and just uh, someone that I highly respect. Now, you might be asking, okay, so how do we engage a video series, especially since Trent and I uh, comprise of doing about 47 messages out of the year, and so we don't do video very often? Um, Well, here, let me give you some tips on how we can engage the video series. When you start to watch it, you might feel a little weird at first, but let me tell you, that will go away as you begin to watch him because Andy is such an engaging speaker. It will feel like he is right here, maybe not on stage, but right there on the screen with us. And one of the things that we want you to do is when he interacts with us, feel free to interact with him as if he is live. Uh, So if he asks us to pray, go ahead and pray with him. If he tells a joke, feel free to laugh with him. If he asks you for a certain response, uh, go ahead and give the response that he's looking for. And then also, Andy every week challenges us to do something. And so we would say, hey, Before we start this message, ask God, God, how would you want me to hear this message today and how can I apply it this week in my life? And to help us with that, we're also going to have a spiritual growth challenge at our Connection Center that you can pick up to go further with the message or you can download it uh, online at The Epic Church under our resource tab as well. And so we just want you to sit back, enjoy the rest of the service. I'm going to pray and then we're going to start. So let's pray together. Father, uh, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that, God, we have the technology today to be able to hear uh, some people that you have gifted wonderfully to encourage us and to inspire us. And so, God, we just open up our hearts. What would you have to say to us today? And so we thank you so much uh, to be encouraged that there are millions and millions of other Christ followers who are out there and just doing an amazing job. And so would you speak to our hearts today as we listen to this message? In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, we're beginning a brand new series today called Follow. Pretty excited about this. I want to welcome all of you who are joining us on television. Thanks for staying up late or getting up early. For those of you who are joining us online, for those of you who are at home, hotel rooms, hopefully you're driving, but you're just listening, not watching. For those of you in the room, all over Atlanta area campuses and our strategic partner churches all over the world. It's pretty exciting. Now, um, if you fall asleep during the message today, and you're thinking, oh no, I missed the end. You can go to this website right here and get the whole thing, followseries.org, followseries.org. We're going to put all these messages. Um, messages from this series here. As always, there'll be a, some questions you can download. So if you're tracking with us in your small group, which I hope you will do, um, it'll allow you to ask, ask some questions and talk about this stuff because the goal isn't for you to just to hear me talk. The goal obviously is for us to wrestle with this material and figure out how it applies to our lives. So this will be there the whole time. You can go there. It'll be up there forever. As long as there's an internet, it will be there. Now, um, to get us started today, I want to tell you a little bit about my growing up in church. As most of you know, I'm a pastor's kid. So the whole church thing, I, I, ju I just grew up in it. Preacher's kids, um, we have an advantage. We see church differently than everyone else. I, I remember you know, growing up and hearing people say, oh, we just felt the spirit of God in the room. And I'm like, no, the room was full. Whenever the room's full, you guys seem to feel the spirit of God. Take that same group of people, plop them in the dome, no spirit. So anyway, we can be, a, if we're not careful, we can get a little bit weird, a little cynical. But anyway, now I don't know where I got this because this is so wrong, but when I was growing up, especially, I would say from high school, you know, uh, especially starting right then, I kind of felt like the whole Christian life and all spirituality and religion was kind of a giant game of Jesus says. Jesus says, now, you've heard of Simon says, you know, Simon says, Simon says, oops, Simon didn't say. And so I don't know where I got this, but I just felt like to be a Christian, it was like, Jesus says, jump. You know, Jesus says, go to church. Jesus says, pray. Jesus said, didn't look over there. Oh, but have you seen her? You know, and, and uh, so it was just, and then, then if, you know, if Jesus didn't say, then, then you were out. And I liked being out of the game because life was easier and it was more enjoyable, you know? Then I'd go to camp and it's like, all right, you need to get back in the Jesus says camp, okay? Jesus says pray, Jesus says read your Bible, Jesus says, Jesus says. And the other thing I noticed about playing, you know, approaching you know, Christianity as Jesus says, is when I was doing really well, like I went in the game, everybody else having to sit down, but like, Jesus, look, I'm doing what you say. When I would see people who weren't playing, I would be so judgmental, like, well, you need to play, okay? If I'm going to be miserable, you're going to be miserable. Now get in the game and do what Jesus says. Those people aren't doing what Jesus says. You need to do it. Jesus. And so, you know, I, it didn't really work. I was inconsistent. The better I did, the more judgmental I got, the more mean I got. And I found myself, I'd sort of be jealous of people who weren't playing Jesus says because their life, they seemed to be having more fun. And it was just, it was just a disaster. And, and maybe the reason you're not in church, the reason you dropped out of church is you grew up in a church or a religious system where it was do, 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 don't, 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 do, 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 don't, 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 don't. And you just, you just weren't good at it. You just weren't consistent. You weren't disciplined enough to be whatever religion you are or to be a Christian. So you just said, you know what? I'm out. You know, I'm out, okay? And if I go to hell, I go to hell and I'll know people there because I'm out, you know? I just, <laughs> I just can't play, you know, I just can't play that silly game. So here's, here, here, here's the great news. If you, if you were to erase, if you could somehow erase your memory banks of everything you've ever heard about God, Jesus, the Bible, religion, if you just kind of could go boop, just blank. Here, here, here's the amazing thing. If you were to just start with a blank slate and you were to pick up just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just the four accounts of Jesus' life, here, here's what you would be overwhelmed with. And again, our filters are so ingrained and we all grew up in some kind of religious system or anti-religious system, you know. But if you could just be a blank slate and you picked it up, here's what you would discover. It is so extraordinary. It's so extraordinarily relational. 
I mean, it is relational on steroids. It is so extraordinarily relational. In fact, when G- in fact, Jesus said, the reason I've come, one of the reasons he came, he said, I've come so that you can understand the Father. Now, there's an insight right there. In fact, when Jesus talked about you know, the whole religion thing and spiritual thing, it was so relational. In fact, there were three kind of th- things he would, he would talk about. He'd say it's kind of like father and child. He said, I came to explain the father. Like, who's that? Well, that's God. So we can call God father. Yeah, well, that's pretty relational. He's not a reflection of your father. He's the perfection of father. So he would talk about it in terms of father, child. I mean, how relational is that? Then one time or a couple times, he talked about it like a vine and a branch. He said, like, I'm the vine and you're a branch, okay? And the vine doesn't say, hey, branch, do this and do that. The vine gives life to the branch. And as you learn to abide in me, then, then things will happen. You'll change. You'll grow very relational. Then he talked about shepherd and sheep. And for us, that's kind of a bad illustration because we don't really understand that, okay? But in his, in his culture, this was like huge because they understood that shepherds cared for sheep. And one day Jesus said, he said, you know what? My sheep. They hear my voice and they recognize me. It's like, what? He goes, yeah, there's lots of sheep, but my sheep, the sheep that are in relationship with me, all I have to do is speak and it's like, oh, that's the shepherd. And they move in my direction. So it was just intensely, intensely relational. And the whole Jesus says thing, that's not the right approach. And I don't know where I got that. It wasn't anybody's fault. I just, I just picked that up. But intensely, intensely relational, which means, which means, If your approach to spirituality or your approach to religion or specifically if your approach to Christianity is anything less than that or anything more than that, then perhaps you've missed something because you have been invited and I have been invited to an an extraordinary relationship and you say, okay, Andy, you say that all the time and how do you have a relationship with invisible God? We're gonna talk about that in this series. But throughout the gospels, the word that Jesus came back to over and over and over and over again is the word that we're gonna camp out on in this series and it's simply the word Follow, follow, and this is amazing. Jesus extended an invitation to follow to every single kind of person imaginable. To rich people, poor people, people who were spiritual, they weren't spiritual, religious, irreligious, all kinds of people. He would just say, hey, just follow. No, just follow. In fact, I wanna take you to the, the, the first account of this, and it's, it's somewhat of a familiar story, and if you're new to Bible study, you're gonna love this story, and if you're sort of an anti-religious person, you're gonna love this story. In fact, I would love for you to love the story so much you go home and read it on your own. It's found in the book of Matthew, and it's a story about Matthew. So Matthew tells us a story about himself in his gospel of Matthew, and here's where we are introduced to this whole idea, the simplicity of follow. Here's what he says, Matthew chapter 9. He says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. He's telling us the story. Hey, it's you, yeah. Okay, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth because he was a tax collector. Now, real quick, you you may know this or you may be new to Bible study, you need to know. um, They're the only category of person I can think of that we would compare to a tax collector in terms of the emotion that it would elicit is the, is, you know, the 22-year-old kid hangs out behind the gas station and sells drugs to middle schoolers, okay, when they come over there to buy candy. Okay, you think about that person, you think, disgusting, okay. That's, that's probably, and there may be worse ones I wouldn't even want to talk about in church, but I'm telling you, the idea of a tax collector in Jewish culture because they were Jewish people collecting Roman taxes, they were disgusting, they were hated, they were outcast, they couldn't go to the temple, they couldn't be a part of society, they had to kind of hang out, as we're gonna see even in this story, with other tax gatherers and people like themselves because the way it worked was this. Rome auctioned off the right to collect taxes in all of their providences. 
So generally, pretty wealthy people bid on the privilege to collect taxes because if you owned the opportunity to collect taxes in a region, you could collect as much tax as you want as long as Rome got their share, you got to keep the rest. So it was an extremely lucrative business. Then these Roman citizens would go to these Roman and controlled provinces like Judea and they would then hire locals to work for them to collect the actual taxes. And there were all kinds of taxes. Poll tax, bridge tax, income tax, um, uh, food tax. Um, if you were at a harbor, there was a tax, crossroad tax, wine tax, it just went property tax, went on and on and on. So they would hire locals, they would hire citizens of that country to collect, tax, collect taxes, and they would pay them so much it was almost impossible for them to say no, but they were immediately hated by the people in those communities because they were traitors. They were supporting Rome. They were benefiting from Roman taxes, and Matthew was one of those people, so he was absolutely hated. So Jesus walks up, he's at this port, this dock, basically, on this big lake, and he's collecting taxes, and there sits Matthew, and, and Jesus could have said one of many things to Matthew. He could have walked up to Matthew and said, I bet your mother's really proud. You know, and that's nice. You know, there's other things. And now Jesus hasn't really, he hasn't really chosen his 12 closest guys yet. So he's got like a group of people traveling with him at this point. He's considered a rabbi. And of all the things that Jesus could have said, should have said, and would have been justifying, justified in saying to Matthew, Jesus looks at Matthew, the tax collector, and Matthew would never forget this. And he says, follow me. And I would imagine, the scripture doesn't tell us, that there was an audible groan from the people who were with Jesus. Did you hear what he said? Yes, surely he didn't say, follow me. Follow me. And you know, Peter's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. If he follows you, that means he's with me and I'm not with him. Okay, well, you, wait, wait, he's a tax collector. Jesus, Jesus looks at Matthew and says, follow me. And again, there's a lot of things Jesus could have asked Matthew to do that Matthew would have said, no, I can't do that. That's too hard. Are you kidding? That would cost too much. That would, you know, that would require too much. Jesus looks at Matthew and says, follow me. And then Matthew tells us, and here's what happened. And he says, follow me. And he told, he told him, and Matthew got up and he followed him. <laughs> and see, if you're one of Jesus' closest followers, you know, and you're hanging out with Jesus, you're like, wait, 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 it can't be that simple. In fact, we're gonna find out in a minute. There were a group of religious people shadowing Jesus. They were always shadowing Jesus, trying to figure out what is he up to. And they, they look at this, this encounter and it's like, wait, it can't be that simple. You can't just say, follow me, and a tax gatherer becomes part of your group. And again, Jesus was a rabbi. So the invitation, this is important, the invitation to follow Jesus wasn't, hey, let's just walk down the street together. This was like somewhat of a formal invitation, become part of my circle, become part of my posse, become part of my group. Begin to identify yourself with me and I will begin to identify with you. And here's what Jesus didn't say because this is what, People like me who grew up playing Jesus says would have expected him to say. He didn't say, now Matthew, if you're willing to fill in the blank, you can follow me. Or if you're willing to stop, you can follow me. If you're willing to start, if you'll do this three times, hey, I tell you what, Matthew, I'm gonna give you a little assignment, I'll check back three weeks, and if you, you know, if you put check in all those boxes, you can follow me. He just says, Matthew, follow me. Now here's what's significant about this, and we're gonna talk about it for several weeks. This is the same invitation Jesus extended throughout the Gospels to all kinds of people we're gonna see. The invitation just follow me, follow me, 
In fact, the, 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 the question that, that I want you to begin to ask and the question that it would be so great if all of us, regardless of maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you don't ever become a Christian and, and, and we're gonna talk about that in a minute, or maybe you grew up in church like me and I say John 11, you say Lazarus, you know, you know the Bible. You didn't know that much, but now you know, okay. John 11, Lazarus, so, so it, it, you may be on that end of the scale. How fun and how wonderful would it be for just a few weeks for all of us just to begin to kind of tune out all the other imagery and all the other stuff and think in the most simplistic terms because it was the most simple invitation, follow. And to begin to ask the question, not what do I know, not even am I a Christian, but am I following? Not did I go to church, not did I read, um, not did, did I do, did I didn't do, what, what, if we could take, what if we could take all the Jesus says approach away from religion, even if you're not a Christian? All that Jesus says, you know, I'm gonna obey God and the Ten Commandments or whatever it is or whatever it is you were brought up with in terms of the routine. What if for just a few weeks we could just put all that to the side and begin to ask this simple question, am I following? Now, again, this was, this was if this seems too simple for you, it seemed too simple for the religious people in Jesus' day as well. In fact, the story continues and Matthew gives us a really interesting detail because in the very next scene, here's what Matthew says happened. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. It's like, okay, wait a minute, what? We're at a tax collector's booth, next thing you know, we're at his house? Now, if you think Peter and the guys had a problem with Matthew walking around with them, we're going where? Well, where are we going, Jesus? You said, follow me, we're gonna go to your house. You're kidding, and Peter's like, I'm not going in his house, okay? They're like tax gatherer cooties, okay? I can't, okay, it's bad enough that he's with us, we can't go to his house. Jesus says, yeah, Matthew, I'll tell you where we're gonna go, this is gonna be simple for you. Let's just go, Jesus did this all the time, remember Zacchaeus, hey Zacchaeus, where are we going? Let's go to your house. Let's, let's go somewhere familiar, let's go somewhere that's even comfortable. Let's go somewhere that might ruin my reputation, but might give us an opportunity to begin to Relate. Let's look, look what happens. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, and then it gets worse, many, <laughs> many tax gatherer collectors and sinners, and this is so cool and so weird, okay? The tax gatherer collectors were so bad, it was offensive to sinners, even to be associated with them, okay? <laughs> I may be a sinner, but at least I'm not a tax collector. They had their own realm. It's like, I'm bad, but okay, the bottom of the barrel is tax gatherers. So Matthew's only friends were other tax collectors, traitors to, the, you know, to Judea and to the nation, tax gatherers, and people who were just sinners. People who were, that, that means they were outcast to the religious system. They didn't even bother you know, making sacrifices for their sin because you know what? It was eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die and we're probably all going to hell so we will enjoy each other's company as long as we can. So now Jesus goes to Matthew's house. Matthew invites everybody he knows. They're all tax gatherers and sinners and there sits, you know, his closest followers going, I don't like this, I don't like this. Now, let me tell you why this is such a big, big deal. And if you're new to Christianity or you're just exploring it or you, know, you were out of church for a while or you got you know, kicked out of a church or your parents got divorced and they didn't know what to do with that and you haven't been back since or you know, whatever your deal was, this is, this is what I'm about to say. This is for you, this is so important. Jesus was extraordinarily comfortable with people who weren't anything like him. And apparently, as you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, apparently people who were nothing like Jesus were very comfortable with him. Now this is something I, I, I've, I've had to work on. 
Because I, I would love, you know, Jesus was God in a body, so imagine his self-esteem, okay? It was like really good. You know, he, he was, so, have you ever met someone, they are so comfortable with themselves, they make everybody else comfortable. Have you ever met anybody like that? And they, they're not, it's so extraordinarily good looking that they're intimidating, but they're, you know, they're just, they are just, they are so comfortable, they're winsome. And Jesus, even though he's God in a bod, okay, even though he is God incarnate, he is in an environment surrounded by people who would tell you if they asked him he wasn't being judgmental they were tax gatherers and sinners and people who were nothing like Jesus like Jesus and people like people who were nothing like him now we'll come back to that in a minute but that's a really big deal which means and I'll just kind of veer off for just a second it means if you are not a religious person in fact you might be kind of anti-christian or you got questions or you're not so sure you know if you are with us and you feel anything but accepted and loved by us, if you feel any sense of eh, by us or I don't know about us, I want you to know that is our fault. That is not our Savior's fault because our Savior was extraordinarily comfortable with people who were nothing like him. They liked him. In fact, you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, I dare you, they followed him every single place he went. Isn't that something? Jesus would like you. Jesus would not be put off by your sin. Jesus would not be uncomfortable even though he knew your thoughts. That's a pretty powerful thought, isn't it? And Jesus, knowing the hearts of men and women, knowing what he did last summer, knowing what he did last spring, knowing what he did last night, knowing what he wished he could have done last night, but he, he, he looks at Matthew and he says, hey, Matthew, follow me. Now, he's being shadowed. When the Pharisees, when the Pharisees saw this, I mean, they're like, what? Okay, first of all, he's invited a tax, going to write this down, going to make a report. Where are we going? Oh, no, we're going down to the, the rich person district. Oh, no, now we're going to Matthew's house. And Matthew's like, Pharisees, eh, you're not invited to my house, okay? So they're standing outside. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, because Jesus' disciples had to, you know, come and go, I guess. He asked the, asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax gatherers and tax collectors and sinners? We, we, we're confused. He's a rabbi. He's a holy man. We're holy people. He's a law keeper. We're law keepers. You know, he worships God, we worship God. Why is it we have a lot in common with us, but he didn't invite us? Why is it he would choose people he's nothing like instead of the people he's like, and I don't even think he really likes us, and we don't really like him? Why is that? They were so confused, and Jesus knows there's this disturbance. Now, this is the really strange part of the story. So Jesus, I guess, is sitting around a table with, you know, Matthew and all of his friends, and they're all a little, a little awkward, and they're trying to figure out, you know, what's what and who's who, and Jesus knows there's this commotion outside, and the Pharisees are like, what's he doing in there with those people, and why isn't he with us, and all that sort of stuff. And on hearing this, listen to this, on hearing this, Jesus said, I think he said it out loud. I mean, he's kind of sending a message, hey, you know, James, go out there and tell him. Check this out. On hearing this, Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. Now imagine if you're Matthew and you hear this, but the sick. It's not the healthy. Hey, hold on. Yeah, shh, guy, hold on. Go out there and tell him it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Matthew's like, wait, 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 wait. Okay, you're like a guest in my house. And you, I get it. You're saying like they're healthy and I'm sick, and you're not out there because they're healthy and they don't need you, and all of me and my friends, are you calling us sick? <laughs> I don't know how this went down. I just think Jesus smiled and said, Matthew, 
You're a tax collector. <laughs> of course you're sick. And look at your friends and they're like, oh, we're all sick. High five and they just go on with the dinner. Because, now this is very important. Because, come on, let me, tell, let me just say something to you. Come on, come on, come on. You know you're sick. You know there's something wrong with you. Come on, come on. You don't even, you're not even consistent with your own rules. Come on, dad, you've had that talk with your son. You're not, you don't even do what you ask your son to do. You don't even keep the rules you want your daughter to keep. You're not even careful with those things you want your kids to stay away from. I mean, you don't even do what you ask your employees to do consistently. You break your own rules. You know, now come on, you know if there's a God, you've broken his rules. You know there's a distance. You know if there's a judgment, you're in trouble. You know if the standard is Jesus, you fall short. You don't, you don't need the preacher to tell you that. And I think Jesus was so winsome and so comfortable in his own skin and so secure, he could say out loud with the sinners and tax gatherers, hey, tell them I'm in here with the sick people because I've come for the sick. High five, Matthew. Matthew's like, you know, that's offensive, but you're right. <laughs> I need a little help. Let me just tell you something. Only men and women, only teenagers, only college students, only married people, only single people who are willing to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I, I need something. I need help. Those are the prime candidates for followers of Jesus. Now, Jesus has kind of offended the people he's with, but he ain't done offending because he's Jesus. So listen to the rest of the message. You know, James is hustling out there to tell the Pharisees. He's like, wait, 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 one more thing. He shouts. He says, and also tell them this. Go and learn what this means. Now, this is so offensive to the Pharisees because all they did was sit around and learn. All They, they were just good. Their, their full-time job was be good. What do you do? I'm just good. Good, that's what I do, I stay good. And so they studied all the time. And so now Jesus is about to say, hey, tell them to look this up in the Old Testament. Like, they have something to learn from me. But go and learn what this means. And he quotes from the prophet Hosea. So they, they should have known this already. When he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then Jesus says, and if they don't understand what I'm talking about, here's what I'm talking about. I, Jesus, have not come to call, come to call, come to call, come to call, come to call. This is important. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In other words, I'm not content to simply be with people who believe all the right things. And I'm not simply content to hang out with people who behave all the right ways. I want to join with the people who believe the right things and behave the right things in order to call the people who don't believe the right things and behave the right ways who know. There's something else to believe. And I wish I had more control over how I behaved. Now let me tell you why this, let me just talk to those of you who are Christians and Jesus followers for just a second. And if you're not, you can just laugh at us and I know you think we're hypocrites. We are, I promise we are. We're, we're just not, we're not as good as we appear to be on Sunday especially. And if you see us at school or at work, you, you wonder why we're even here, I know. So let me just say something to those, to the, to those of us who would call ourselves Christians. This is why this is so important. We dare not become a church, and we dare not become a group of churches that is content to gather together and believe the right things and behave the right ways and stop there. Because if we do, we will find ourselves standing outside the very room that Jesus inhabits, 
as he comes to call, comes to call, comes to call, comes to call, comes to call the sick and the sinners and those who need a savior. I don't wanna pastor a church and I don't wanna attend a church and I really don't want my family attending a church that's all about believe the right way and behave the right way and forget that we have been called we have been called to come and call, come and call, come and call. We have been called to partner with our Savior. For those who have a sneaking suspicion, I need something. I think I'm sick. There's got to be more to this life than this life. We have been called, we have been privileged, we've been given the opportunity to partner with our Savior. For those who would claim to be, acknowledge, I'm outside the faith. But you know what, as I lean in, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping you have something to say and something to offer. It is not enough to believe right. It is not enough to behave right. In fact, the church, the small group, the group of Christians that is content to simply believe right and behave right, they eventually become Pharisees. They eventually become judgmental. They become the ones that say, as soon as you change, you can be a part of us. In fact, that was the Pharisees' message. It was simply this. It was change, and then you can join us. Change, and you can join us. Jesus came along, turned it upside down, messed everybody up, and if you tune out and don't hear anything else I say, don't miss this. Jesus showed up and said, no, join us, and you will change. Join us, and you will change. Matthew, I'm not asking you to do anything except stand up and follow me, and we're going to your house. And the Pharisees are like, but wait, he's a tax gatherer, he's a tax collector, and Jesus is like, I don't run your game plan. Your game plan is, look, believe the right stuff, behave the right way, we'll give you a quiz, and then we'll decide if you can join us. Jesus says, no, I don't really care what you're doing or what you believe or what you don't believe, even what you don't believe about me or believe about me. I wanna invite you to just take a little baby step and follow me. But let me warn you, if you follow me for very long, one of these days, you may look in the mirror and you may not recognize who you see. Not because you've been in an endless game of Jesus says, Jesus says, Jesus says, Jesus says. But because, well, I'm like a father. I'm like a vine. I'm like a good shepherd. And I just want you to follow me. So, that's what this series is about. It's about saying, regardless of where you are on whatever end of the spectrum, the invitation is for you. Four quick things to kind of wrap this up and to kind of move us, move us in the right direction. Four things about follow real quick. Here we go. Number one, being this is huge. Being a sinner does not disqualify you. It's a prerequisite. <laughs> this is important. Every single person that Jesus invited to follow him and every single person that said yes was a sinner. Every single one. The only people that resisted following Jesus were the people who thought they were perfect. The less perfect the person was, the greater they were in terms, the greater their candidacy was in terms of becoming a follower of Jesus. So Jesus begins with Matthew. I mean, he's on the far end of the spectrum. Jesus begins with Matthew before Matthew has prayed anything, before Matthew has committed anything, before Matthew has repented of anything, before Matthew has promised anything. He says, Matthew, just as you are, would you take a baby step and follow me and I'm gonna make it easy for you. We're going to your house. And you don't have to hang out with all these people. Just invite your friends. I, this is important, I'm gonna move on. There is no sin. There is no sin. There is no sin. There is no habit. 
There is no addiction. There is no illness. There is no problem that puts you outside the circle of those that have been invited, who have been invited to follow. Jesus say, Andy, well, you don't know me. I don't have to know you. Jesus knows you. And as we're gonna see in the next few weeks, he would look you right in the eye and say, I wanna want extend an invitation for you to follow me. Well, what does that entail? Well, we'll see. I just want you to do what you can do. Follow. Second one, and this is, this is hard to even say. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. You say, Andy, I can't follow Jesus. I don't even believe any of that stuff about Jesus, so? Listen, none of Jesus' earliest followers believed, none. In fact, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's so funny, two years in, Jesus does something and it says, and they believed. I'm like, well, what have they been doing for two years? Not believing. In fact, Jesus was constantly saying, I mean, these are the guys that are with him all the time. Your unbelief, your unbelief, he would chastise them for their lack of belief. They're going, oh, we're, we're trying to believe. We're trying to believe. In fact, one of his closest followers was such an unbeliever, he got a nickname for his lack of faith. You know who I'm talking about? Who is it? Doubting who? Doubting Thomas. And some of you didn't know Doubting Thomas was in the Bible. You thought Doubting Thomas is just an expression for maybe a fairy tale or something. No, he's in the Bible. You know, God helps those who help themselves. Not there, Doubting Thomas. He's there, okay? Doubting Thomas. He doubted so much, okay? We gave him a nickname. At the end, check it out. At the end, Thomas is like, I don't know. I don't know. Might have been a trick. I don't know. And, and Jesus never said, Thomas, I've been with you a year. You still don't believe. You're out. Now, here's, here's what I want you to hear me say. It doesn't matter how little faith you have, even if you have no faith, you are invited to become a follower of Jesus, which means you don't have to believe he's divine. You don't even have to believe he's historical. I just dare you to pick up a Bible and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or any part and just say, you know what? I'm just, I don't even believe it's necessarily real. I don't even know if he existed, but I'm gonna find something in here that, 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 does, that, that is within the realm of possibility for me to do. And I'm just, I'm just gonna be a Jesus follower that follows maybe some of the easy teachings of Jesus. I dare you to try. Jesus says, I'll take that. You don't have to believe all this stuff. In fact, it took the people who knew him three years. In fact, many of them never came to believe until he actually rose from the dead. But I mean, how, what, what kind of faith does that take? You see a man die, buried, and then he's back. It's not like you have to kind of drum up faith, okay? I think I'm about to get there. Oh my gosh, I mean, who wouldn't believe that, right? But I'm telling you, it was to the very end. It took some of them to the very end before they believed. So I'm telling you, you can begin following. You can find some little itty bitty place like Matthew to say, okay, I can do that. And Jesus says, that's fine. My invitation to follow is extended to those who aren't even sure they believe. Number three, <clears throat> the invitation to follow is purely an invitation to relationship. This is huge. It's not, a, it's not an invitation to the Ten Commandments. It's not, a, it's not even an invitation to obedience. And let me tell you why this is important. If you were married to someone who obeyed all the marriage rules and you obeyed all the marriage rules, you would not necessarily have a good relationship. I think all of us would opt to be in a relationship with somebody who breaks the rules every once in a while, but there's an actual relationship. Rules don't make a relationship. 
In fact, the reason I keep the marriage rules is because I am in love with Sandra. I never once have gotten up and you know, pulled out my list and said, remember today, remember today, here's the five things you always do as a husband, here's the five things you never do. We don't even have a list like that. Why, I'm in love. And here's what Jesus knew, and I gotta warn you about this, you know, full disclosure. If you start loving Jesus, you will start doing some different things. But not because you got up in the morning and said, okay, remember, good Christians always, bad Christians, you know. It's because you begin, that's why why I'm sure Jesus said to Matthew and Jesus said to a whole lot of people and Jesus says to you, come on, come on. Because over time, we're gonna have one of these. And when you have one of these, I mean, you've been in love. You, You do different things. You stop doing things. You start thinking a different way. That's why if you could erase all of your memory banks about everything that has anything to do with religion, Jesus, the Bible, or Christianity, and you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you would discover I am being invited into a relationship and a relationship that begins with me just as I am. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Here's a a verse that never gets any airplay. He said this, that it's actually God's kindness that leads us to repentance. I thought it was fear. Well, you know, fear's motivating. Paul says it's not fear, God's kindness. Do you know how you experience someone's kindness? You have to be in their proximity. You have to be in a relationship of some sort with them. You have to be in the vicinity. Paul says, as you move, as you begin to follow, as you take baby steps, don't ask me to do too much. Paul says, I'm just telling you, the thing that leads to repentance, which means change, it's not the fear of hell. You know that doesn't work. It's God's kindness, especially as demonstrated through Christ. And the fourth one, it's a big one. Following forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. This is why you have to follow. If you do not, if you're a Christian and you don't follow, you're not actively following, you become a Pharisee. Because when I wake up every day and say, God, my goal isn't to keep 10 things and four things and never and always. My goal today is to the best of my ability just to simply follow you. Then I become so aware of my responsibility, I don't have time to judge you. And if you felt judged by a church and kicked out by a church, it's probably because you got surrounded by a bunch of Christians who believed everything right, behaved everything right, but somewhere along the way they quit following. And so they just started evaluating and judging The other way I say it is this. The more conscious I am of the work God has yet to do in me, the less critical I am of what God has yet to do in you. This is what makes the body of Christ extraordinary. This is what makes the church, when the church is hitting on all cylinders, absolutely fantastic. Because men and women come together and they, some know a little bit, some know a lot. Some have been walking with Jesus a long time. Some have been walking with Jesus just a little bit of time. Some people have great faith. Some have little faith. But everybody, to the best of their ability, is moving in the same direction, learning to become more and better followers of Jesus. And you find yourself in a group of people like that, whether it's a community group, whether it's a church, whether it's a Bible study on your campus in a dorm at work, I'm telling you, there's something so extraordinarily powerful about that. So, as we launch this series, as we launch what I hope becomes a conversation around the dinner table and at home, the question is, 
am I following? Not what do I know, not how well do I pray, not how consistently do I attend church, not how much scripture do I know, not even how obedient am I, but am I participle, active, following. Not have I prayed a prayer, not even am I a Christian, not have I decided, not have I committed, but am I actively, intentionally engaged in the process of following Jesus? And his invitation is extended to every single person on the planet. Sin does not disqualify you. A lack of belief does not disqualify you because it is an invitation to relationship. And for some of you, that relationship actually begins with us. This is why one of the best things you could do is go to a starting point orientation and get in a starting point group because your relationship with Jesus may actually begin with a relationship with some of his followers. It's why being involved in a great church is important because being involved in a relationship with his followers is the first step for many people to being in an active relationship with him. Because when Christians come together under the banner of what Christ has called us to do and who Christ has called us to be, we are in essence the body of Christ, the presence of Christ on this planet. It's why some of you who have been so resistant to church in the past want your kids in our environments. And it's why there's something about maybe parts of this place that are attractive to you and you still don't believe (laughs) and you still misbehave. But hopefully by God's grace, his presence as he inhabits his body is compelling. And maybe for you, that's the beginning of the relationship that results in a relationship where every single day of your life, you could get up and ask the question, today, am I following, am I following? Am I following? So I want you to be here every week. And when you're not here, I want you to watch online and I want you to listen. Because we are as a group of churches and as a group of Christians gonna move together into this fascinating, compelling, um, amazing relationship characterized not by a thousand words, but by a simple word, the word follow. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for making it so easy, for making it so simple, for making it so clear. Please give each of us the wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard. And we pray all of that in the matchless name of Jesus who has invited all of us to follow. Amen. Well, I hope that all of us take that invitation to follow Jesus. Uh, Whether you've been following him or not, it's never too late to follow and it's always a good thing to follow him. That's what God wants us to do, to simply follow him and see what he has in store for our relationship. If you'd like to go deeper into the message, I just want to encourage you again, stop by the Connection Center for our Spiritual Growth Challenge or go to our uh, website online at theepicchurch.com under the resource and download that and really process this message this week and really work through that and apply what Andy's talked about today about following Jesus. Well, I just have a few announcements uh, for us before we wrap up. If you would, there's a sheet on your uh, chairs out there, our announcement sheet. If you would grab that for a second, I just want to highlight a few things. Uh, on July 27th at 5 p.m., we are having a baptism at 16th Street North down at Flagler Beach. And so if If you have never been baptized, but you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God asks us to follow that up with baptism. And so it's just an outward expression of the inward decision that we have made, and we are to celebrate that together as a body of believers. And so if you've never done that, please sign up online under the sign-up tab 
and let us know that you are interested in getting baptized. And for everyone else, please come on out on that day to help us celebrate those who are going public with their faith. It's a great time together to do that and to see people making that decision to go public with their faith. And then this week, be in prayer for our first team that's in Guatemala, Trent, and about 15 other people are down there in Guatemala building homes, working with at-risk children this week. And then in a couple weeks, we have our second trip that's going to be coming up as well. And so just be in prayer uh, during this month that both teams do a great job of working uh, and representing Christ down there to those who are in Guatemala at that point. And then if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through the giving boxes located at each of the sections at the end of each section or online at theepicchurch.com. And then if you're new with us today, we're so glad that you're here with us, even though today was a little bit different. Uh, Please stop by the Connection Center. We'd love to meet you and give you some information about Epic. If you have questions about Epic, we'd love to answer those questions for you. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here today. Say hi to someone that you don't know on your way out. And thank you again for being here, and we'll see you next Sunday.